0: Welcome to Unpacking the Digital Shelf, where we explore brand manufacturing in the digital age. Hey everyone, Peter Crosby here from the Digital Shelf Institute. Throughout a 15 year career at Johnson & Johnson, Matt Fantasier has careened from finance to brand management and now director digital experience at Johnson & Johnson Consumer Health. Each stage of that journey has informed a way of working as a servant leader, helping teams prioritize, execute, and focus on the right metrics to drive the right business result. Matt joined Lauren Levack and me to talk us through his career journey and the set of skills and focus areas required to drive results. So, Matt, thank you so much for making time for our podcast today. You know, I, I do know in addition to your J&J gig, you were busy churning out a weekly newsletter on digital, which is awesome, by the way. Matt's hot takes. They are indeed hot. Um, and so we appreciate having you on our show. And Great to be here. Yeah, thank you. I mean, part of what is fascinating, I think, about your, your journey through uh, digital commerce is... You know, you've gone from finance to marketing to e-commerce. It's, it's such an interesting mix and, and, and I think non-traditional for a lot of people. But so tell us, tell us how you made the switch from uh, numbers guy to uh, and maybe they're not that far apart. I don't know. Tell me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the dirty secret is I'm still kind of a numbers guy, but I just do other stuff now. Uh, but yeah, I started out uh, in finance. I studied accounting in undergrad you know, went off, I joined J&J right out of undergrad because I did want to uh, work in industry. So that was something I, w- I was interested in. I didn't want to work in financial services, but I quickly realized I wanted to be closer to the strategy, more to the commercial side of the business. Um, so I got my MBA and then joined the marketing team here about nine years ago. Um, but I think what's what's really helped me make that transition is that, especially today, like it was true then, it's really true now that I believe that marketing is really a lot of math and magic. So the, the magic parts are traditional marketing, you're, you're you know, breaking through and creativity, but there's so much math and so much analytics and data, especially in today's world, um, that that finance background has really, really um, served me well. And I, I think today having a diverse career is just really, really important. Uh, helps me see problems from different perspectives, um, helps me bring different concepts together. And I think what, what really the unlock for me was, I always tell people who are career switchers to not apologize for their background. It's those diverse experiences that really make you unique and a special sort of person and lean into that. Be the marketer who can also read a PL or somebody who is on the sales team, but also knows how to use Photoshop. Whatever those things are, um, makes you unique and gives you a, you know, a specific perspective on the world. And that, that math
2: and magic. Yeah. Um, I
1: was just going to say, Lauren, yeah. <laughs> it,
2: it is one of my favorite lines of yours. And I feel like it also applies to digital and e-commerce. And when you're thinking about the PL, we talk more and more about profitability now and yep. thinking about what levers you can pull. How, how has that helped on, on the digital kind of commerce side too?
1: It's, Huge. (laughs) It's how you make sure you don't go out of business, I think. Um, there's it's interesting if you rewind not that long ago, but you know, maybe five or so years ago, all the talk around e-commerce was the you know, the endless shell for the you know, whatever people called it. But having your entire assortment online was a huge advantage and people being able to buy whatever. Now it's about being choiceful and really making sure that we're promoting the right codes, that we're thinking about profitability. Understanding, you know, customer acquisition cost, lifetime value, what's our GP, all of that stuff is incredibly important. Um, because without paying attention to that, you could very easily lose money every time you sell a product online uh, on search costs or advertising costs, fulfillment costs. So really understanding the full e-commerce PL is just incredibly important if you want to have a sustainable business today and scale it.
2: And you have a really interesting role where you are right now, right? You're integrated into the business. You're responsible for the digital experience. Can you talk yep. a little bit about what that entails and, and how you're working with both the business and the, the digital team?
1: Yeah. My, so my team was created almost a year ago now, about a year ago. And it is unique in that oftentimes you see more of like a center of excellence sort of model, which we still have, by the way. There's a lot of things that you don't want to figure out, especially at a large CPG, 30 times for every brand there's a lot of benefit to you know who are the right partners what are the standards we want to follow when we're advertising my team's a little bit different because we're actually embedded within the local team so the way we've described it is we're sort of the scaffolding around your traditional marketing team and doing a lot of the work and really working hand in hand with our local marketing teams so we're taking on work um, maybe you know it's post launch and I can get into some of the specifics but more hands-on keyboards, more always-on sort of maintenance of our uh, marketing objectives in a way that, you know, and I've I've sat in traditional marketing roles. My last job was a traditional marketing job. So I'm not totally speaking out of school here, but you're often, you know, keeping so many balls in the air that you can't necessarily go deep on everything or really take that pause to really do some deep analytics and figure out what we should do next. That's what my team does. And I think what's unique is also... We don't have team goals. My team fully adopts whatever the goals of the brands they support. That's our goals. We have Neutrogena goals. We have Aveno goals. We have Johnson's baby goals. And we work to prioritize our work against those business objectives. And Matt, it's really
0: the the difference in sort of traditional marketing. And, and I want you to say, yes, this is true or no, it isn't. I'm just kind of making it up. But uh, It's when you get to the digital shelf and it's an algorithm making choices about whether you've done the right or the wrong thing and and punishing or rewarding you based on that. It it has a requirement of a pace of continuous optimization that is just not what traditional markers are accustomed to. And so that's sort of that math and magic, right? And so is, is your team part of kind of building that muscle across these local teams?
1: Yeah. It's a huge shift for marketing today. I mean, the way we've been doing marketing has been the same way since the fifties and sixties. You create a campaign, you put it in market, you wait six months, light some prayer candles and hope that it worked. Now we have the benefit of data and feedback. You can see what's working and what's not. And as a as a traditional CPG, we're a wholesaler by and large. So that is sort of the model for us where it goes on a truck and it goes to a Walmart or a Target or wherever, and then we wait. But now that we can see some of this, it's it's a rewiring of not just set and forget, but really that always-on optimization. And I think the challenge though is really understanding when and how often, because statistical significance is still a concept that exists in the world. You can't just optimize off of every single data point, but really understanding when, when have I gotten to a point where I've, I have a learning where I, I think I know what's happening here and I can make a different choice um, or it's not clear yet. And let's let, let's let this play out for another you know week or two weeks or whatever the case may be. But yeah, it's, it's a completely different muscle. It's performance marketing um, and, but the challenge is bringing those worlds together because the brand and the equity still matters enormously. It's now coupling that it's an, and it's not an or anymore. You have to be able to do both.
0: Well, particularly as retail, as retail um, sites and media are moving towards a more full funnel experience uh, simply because that's the way the consumer insists on shopping. They won't do what you want them to do. They do what they want you to do and then you have to kind of catch up with them. And so when, when you think about those shifts and the opportunity to be more full funnel in the places that you show up, when your folks parachute in uh, and join these teams, mm-hmm. I think one, you mentioned it earlier, they adopt their metric, they adopt their KPIs. So yep. they it's not like this person who has different objectives, somebody comes in and joins, which I think from what I've heard from other companies, that's not necessarily what happens. And I like that. I'd love to hear more about sort of how you arrive at those shared metrics, but overall, how does this change fit in with the rest of the way the business operates and how have you kind of made
1: that work? I mean, it's, it's a lot of making sure that we're all on the same page. There's a lot of the, Hey, let's make sure we're talking about the goals. What, what's important for your business right now, you know, onboarding most of my team's new to J and J. So it's like doubly challenging new team, a lot of new people that are learning the brands at the same time. So it was extra important for us to spend that upfront time and ground on the strategies. We didn't do anything until we were clear on what are the brand strategies? What are the challenges understanding the competitive set in the marketplace so that we weren't just chasing shiny objects or creating solutions, looking for a problem essentially. So first step, you know, align on the strategies, but then also align on the priorities. So what are you trying to achieve? And then what's the hottest thing on your list? Um, you can also get into a lot of trouble trying to solve every problem in the book in the first six months. But I think what's unique about my team as well is that we've been able to really focus and have sort of this like strike team mentality of like, Hey, this is really, really, really important this week this is your only job this week. Go figure out this social media campaign we're launching on Neutrogena Face or this digital shelf project that we have MPI launching next week on Avino. This is your only job. Get this out the door, make it awesome. This is what we need to do to, you know, run the business this week. Um, so it's, I think those are the things that have allowed us to really move quickly, but um, it all starts with the business strategy. That's that's just it.
2: And Matt, change is hard for anyone, right? I, I know this is like a different way of thinking. It's a shift in the traditional. We always talk about change management. How, how did people perceive this change? Were they defensive? Were they welcoming? How did you kind of work through that change management?
1: Yeah. I mean, all the above. And I think that's natural. It's just human nature. It's new. We're a brand new team. I mean, my job was created 10 months ago. Most of my team joined six months ago. So it is very much a new thing. And the the natural question people want to understand is, is this person doing my job now? Am I not doing this? And that's not the case. That's not what we were doing, but it's really change management is huge. I mean, that is an enormous amount of my time for better or worse. That is what I spent a lot of time on. And it's not necessarily the, you know, maybe the, what people think of naturally, but I think it's this, understanding business objectives and starting from shared perspective of I'm not going to come in here and tell you what to do. Tell me what's important to you and really start from sort of that servant leadership mindset and really make sure the team has that posture as well of we're all one team here. We're going to help you achieve the things that you think are really, really important. And it's not about taking work away, but it's rather how do we take the good thinking that you guys have established and take it farther? You know, you, you've developed a strategy, you have a hypothesis that you know, a certain audience we want to deliver a certain message to, we can actually go and work with our media agency, with our insights team to develop learning plans and actually iterate on creative or different media executions to understand what's working and what's not working in a way that a traditional brand team typically doesn't have the bandwidth to do. It's not that they can't or won't. It's oftentimes you run out of hours in the day. And like I said earlier, I've done that job. I I can speak for myself. I won't speak for anyone else. I didn't have time to do that. So um, it's really, really tough when you're managing all the things that a brand manager is managing today. Um, And I think that's why it's so important that we adopt their goals. Um, It doesn't feel like we're trying to take the business in a different direction and they lose control. It's really a partnership.
0: When I think of the the center of excellence approach that others have taken, not that this isn't—it's just sort of you've you've embedded it. So there's mm-hmm. still—I was just wondering—how are you able? Are you still able to keep the center of excellence model, which is we're constantly learning, sharing best, best practices, you know, that kind of stuff? Is that able to happen? Yeah,
1: I I say jokingly that I want my team to only think of me as the guy who approves their expense reports but in reality, it's a little bit more than that. I, I can sort of like assemble the Avengers. We have our weekly meetings. We, we have our sort of, uh, you know, different pillars have their own little, you know, the digital shelf team connects separately. The paid media managers connect separately. So they're sharing information. My entire team meets on a weekly basis to make sure that everyone understands, you know, what are the priorities on a week to week basis, who needs help, sharing learning. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a fine balance that you want to, you want to be able to maintain of in the business, doing the work with the people, but also being able to come back together as a, a functional team to, to learn from one another. And that's something that's really hard at a big CPG. I think we do a pretty good job of it, but yeah, that's something that's always on our mind. And we sort of get the best of both worlds, I think on my team, but you know, not without challenges. So um, just
0: to be clear in the Marvel scenario, are you Captain America
1: or are you Iron Man? Oh, I don't know. I, I this is a loaded question. I, I probably feel like Ant-Man half the time, like the the dorkiest Avenger, but, um, but pretty funny. I'd like to think. Um, no, so but I mean, the, you're the Paul Rudd of J&J. That's, what you're that's I'll take that all day okay. long. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: <laughs> but like the Avengers, we all have very different uh, capabilities and that's how I've built my team as well that I think's kind of different. I intentionally recruited people with really different skill sets so that we can, that's part of the need to come together oftentimes too, is I have folks that have search expertise, creative expertise, and we may need to consult with one another or coach one another where someone may have, you know, they did it in their last job or they're, you know, an expert in a certain type of media we do a lot of that sharing, too, where it's not just best practice sharing, but, hey, like, how did you do this? It Help coach me and learn because there's so much. I mean, you could study digital marketing all day and you never learn it because, one, it changes too fast. But, you know, that's part of the team that I've built as well as ultra diverse skills. How are you winning and
0: retaining candidates in this
1: Tough hiring environment. Oh boy, um, <laughs> maybe that's a different podcast. Out of maybe know, but... <laughs> a different podcast. I, it's interesting though. I mean, as we've recruited, it's been a um, it's been an interesting experience, especially in the last year. I think you know what comes up. You know, a couple things that come up. You know, people are looking for flexibility. That's up, you know, that's kind of one that you hear all the time. But I think people in general want to be part of something meaningful, and I think that's what we've been really. Um, talking a lot about as we meet with candidates and they come on board is, you know, we're building something here. We're this isn't come in and punch the clock. It's we're really working on how do we rewire a a large CPG and build this capability, you know, digitally native capabilities inside of a J and J. That's a pretty interesting sort of case to make someone. It's not a I need you to manage social media. It's how do we do this better? How do because none of this is built. And I, you know, I'll always tell partners, my team, anyone that we don't necessarily have all the answers. We're probably gonna get a lot of this wrong and have that openness to say like, if you have a better way to do it, like let's figure that out. It's the only way you can really execute this sort of thing. So I think that's appealing.
2: And and Matt, I wanna bring up something you said before about servant leadership, because Mm -hmm. I think that's really critical when you talk about digital transformation You talk about change management. I've seen a lot of global teams or center of excellences have difficulty working with the rest of the organization. And I think a really great thread is that servant leadership, like putting yourself in the shoes of the person that you're trying to work with in the organization and say, what challenges are you having versus like, here's what you should be doing. Here's the 10 things that are on your checklist. Can you talk a bit more about what you mean by servant leadership and how you think about that? Because I think for our audience, that is a really interesting and important factor in any change.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's that it could feel like a buzzword. I can tell you it's not. I mean, I think it's become something that gets talked about more in organizations and it's been talked about more here at JJ over the last couple of years. But I've been living it. And I can tell you that, you know, 90% of what I'm doing in the last year has nothing to do with my technical skills. It is all understanding different stakeholders. What are the barriers helping to, you know, bring in the right people to solve a problem or to reduce, you know, clear a uh, clear an impediment from the path of, you know, Oh, we're trying to do this, but there's this challenge. So I can jump in and do that. The, you know, we talk about the what and the how at J and J is um, I know you're familiar Lauren, but um. It's a huge how lift, you know, digital transformation is really not a, to be successful, you have to over-index in the how side of things and really make sure that people understand the strategies, you understand them and, you know, navigate all those difficult conversations and situations that can arise just naturally. Um, That's been the majority of my job, to be honest.
2: And in doing all of that and, and having this different approach and having the embedded team, have you seen success? Is there some results or anything you can share about how it's been helpful?
1: Yeah, I mean, from a cultural perspective, I think it's been incredibly successful where my team and the brand teams that they work closely with feel connected. They feel like they are part of the same team. They are working extremely well together and that I credit to that upfront work we did that we just talked about a couple of minutes ago of aligning on goals and making sure that everything they're doing is fully in service of what their strategies and priorities are. So culturally and just like that work, I think it's been incredibly successful. It's still early days. There's, of course, things that we need to work through still and improve and continuously improve, especially as new challenges arise, or we want to take on a new sort of project. But I think that's been incredibly uh, beneficial from a business perspective. I think what we've been bringing is a really different and new way of thinking around uh, our brands. And a couple of the things that really popped to mind is, you know, our performance marketing mindset that we've been bringing, especially in the retail and e-commerce environment as a CPG, we don't always get that kind of data, but we actually do on the retail media side of uh, things. So bringing that mindset around, you know, profitability and understanding conversion cost and, you know, all the things we talked about earlier, we've seen huge improvements in sales as well as profitability. So all of them are going in the right direction because we're promoting the right things the right way with the right sort of activation strategies, all geared towards performance with a team that can actually monitor and optimize as we get feedback from the marketplace. That's been a huge one. And I think from a the other one that I, I would point to that's kind of a macro benefit is prioritization. That's something that I'm sure every organization struggles with, but our you know specific charge to drive prioritization has made sure that the things, not just us, but the brand team, the agencies, all the different external partners we have are focused on are the most important things. So the work that's getting done I'm highly confident is the most impactful work that we should be spending our time on. So those have been a couple of the the initial reads over, you know, not a long period of time, but there's a lot of really great examples we've been seeing as we've been really rewiring our approach to going to market. And does that prioritization, Matt, change
0: by product or product line, or is there an overall prioritization target of growth versus profitability. Like uh, how, how do you think about that without
1: obviously giving anything away? <laughs> no, yeah. depends on the business depends yeah. on what they're going after. So we have that conversation with each squad and understand it could be they're launching a new product. So we need to over uh, invest our time in NPI It could be that they're looking to, you know, turn something around. So we're, you know, we're doing something else on another business. It can, it, it's, Yes to all of that. It can be product based. It can be work stream based. It could be, we need to really focus on our e-commerce and how are we driving conversions? So it can be more at the sort of strategic level as well of kind of driving where our activities lie, but it's very brand specific.
2: Matt, I want to touch on what you said about retail media and getting more insights from the retail media side. Sometimes you find that the retail team or the retail media team is completely separate than the digital team. And I think there's a benefit to having it under one umbrella because it's it's kind of like you're looking at everything end to end and you have all the data in one place. And and that's not always the same at every organization, right? They usually have separate silos. Can you talk a bit about that piece?
1: Yeah. And I think what our team's done broadly, and this is true for retail media, is we've acted as a, acted as a bit of a bridge uh, in the organization where we can bring together different uh, teams. So we work collaboratively with the uh, retail media shopper teams today. We you know, work hand in hand with them the same way we work hand in hand with the brand teams, um, but with a little bit of a different charge, looking more at uh, the media execution and profitability. Um, but very similarly, talking prioritization, looking at You know, bringing in frameworks and providing some of the, you know, the the resources to be able to look at this and go deep in a topic that, um, you know, maybe each team isn't always fully resourced to do. So we've, you know, we're bringing that same charge that we're bringing to the brand teams, to the to the customer teams as well to provide some of that analytical, um, bandwidth and horsepower. So very similar, but. it's still a partnership because they, you know, the way we look at it is the brand teams and the retail teams are really owning the strategy. And then we're just activating against that strategy. So they still own what should be done. What are the priorities? How do we need to, you know, promote different things at different retailers? And then we'll work within uh, those guardrails to make sure that it's working as, you know, efficiently and effectively as possible. So Matt when you think about
0: what the future looks like I think both for this initiative that you're working on is it one of those things where you know you've done your job when it's kind of disbanded yes. <laughs> <laughs> so they answer to that so I'd love to hear more about that and then you know when I look at your career and you've been at Johnson Johnson nine years and that's I feel like in this industry'm uh, I feel like the for so many people, the opportunities have to come by changing your company because, but yeah, I think it's just noteworthy that you've done a bunch of different jobs at J&J and and continually rising. Like, how do you think about where you want to spend your time and and what that looks like as a career?
1: Yeah. Um, What success looks like is I think, yeah, maybe it's me actively putting myself out of a job here, but I, you know, kidding (laughs) aside, it's, you know, continuing to integrate marketing and digital marketing to just be marketing. It's, there is no, digital marketing is an archaic term. I hope it's out of our vernacular sooner rather than later, because the reality is that is just marketing today. We don't talk about TV marketing or radio marketing. It's just how we communicate with our consumers, period. Um, But yeah, I, I think that's, that's the ultimate goal is how do we further integrate? How do we make this just our way of doing business? And I think it's not, we still need those capabilities. It's just how do we efficiently work together as one team? And that's why we're embedded. And that's what we're striving for is you still need all those capabilities and all those sort of um, focus areas, but you got to bring the strategy and the, the digital side together, the math and the magic, just to come back around to my initial point. It needs to be one thing under one roof. and I think that's the ultimate goal here. And as far as me and my career, I've actually been a JJ for 15 years. Um, oh, sorry. So, oh, um, first six you. of that was in finance. Um, oh, okay, so nine in marketing. But yeah, I've done I counted once. Um, I've <laughs> recently I've done 10 different jobs in 15 years. I've worked in all three sectors, two different functions, digital marketing, traditional marketing. Worked in skin health, worked in OTC, and I think the moral of the story there is, I've been able, I haven't had to leave to grow, and I think that's what's really been exciting for me is, I've been able to do different things to grow, to try new functions, new parts of marketing, all under the same you know company. With you know, it's been nice to not have to change my 401k and be able to do that. Um, that's you know work I don't want to deal with, but. You know, kidding aside, it's, I think that's been what's been really rewarding about working at J&J is it's it's the good part of working at a big company. There's the downsides that everyone talks about of you a know, big CPG and maybe you don't move as fast. And we're trying to, by the way, that's what my team's doing. But the, the real positive is you can have a diverse career all in one place and um, learn, grow, and then build. It's really just been building blocks upon itself, I would say over the last 15 years,
0: 15 years. I mean, looking at you, you must've started when you were 15, which is a really amazing. Yeah, I, <laughs> I use
1: all of our facial care products. So <laughs> it doesn't just happen. I know, this is, we'll, we'll put this video up on, on LinkedIn <laughs> for everyone to see. It's
0: uh, impressive. Uh, I should have done that myself. So Matt, First of all, if if um if folks want to get on your newsletter list, which is really it's a great, you know, you, you do kind of the the things that sort of stood out to you in the week, but also a, a fair amount of, hey, here's what I think we have to think about yep. with this, which is a nice, a nice mix of of digest and thought. So if they wanted to get on your list, how would they do that?
1: Yeah. The easiest way, because I don't have a clean URL for it, uh, is to follow me on LinkedIn or look at my profile on LinkedIn. I have a link there to subscribe. Um, and when I post, I always have a, um, a link to subscribe or to read the latest newsletter. So should be pretty easy to find, hopefully.
0: Is that like the dentist? Kids have bad teeth. Like uh, the marketing side of a marketer. Or yeah,
1: yeah. I've totally neglected the URL. So exactly. sorry about that. <laughs> no, LinkedIn is like, a great place to come. Coming in real hot right now. I'm like, oh boy, I got to fix that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's always it needs to be fixed in the last moment. But LinkedIn it must a must follow on LinkedIn. And yeah, and Matt overall, just thank you for for putting in the time to come and share with the community. You know how you're thinking about it. Uh, you know, magic and math and, and servant leadership, I just think is a really great way of thinking about how you uh, think about em- embedding and, and changing the business and what, what the mindset is required, one of humility and yet passion. So thank you for sharing that with us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having
1: me.
2: Thank you, Matt.
0: Thanks again to Matt for joining us. Check out his newsletter on his LinkedIn page for more of his brain on a weekly basis. And thanks for being part of our community.